Well, John chapter 8, if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 8. This afternoon, I'd like to talk with you about light. We've been doing this Advent sermon series where we're going through the different candles and we're on the center candle, which represents Christ as the light of the world. You know, we love lights at Christmas time, don't we? There's something about lights that make Christmas feel like, you know, Christmas. I did a little bit of research and well, about 150 million sets of Christmas lights are purchased every year and a whopping 6% of the entire nation's electricity is used powering those lights in the month of December. Uh, it almost seems like a rite of passage for every man to climb into the attic you know, the day after Thanksgiving and you spend hours and days and weeks and aggressively untangling those terrible things just to find that one of them is out. Uh, and then none of them work. Uh, we love going and seeing light shows at Christmas time. Maybe if you've been in Gloucester for a while, you know about Frank Tronics and the cool light show that they do right down the street. We've already taken our girls there. We went to Newport News Park this week. There's just something about going and seeing lights that makes it feel like Christmas. I mean, that's probably one of the big appeals for this service, the fact that we give you a candle or a glow stick on the way in and we get the lights. We love lights at Christmas time. And there's a good reason for that. You see, the concept of light piercing through and invading the darkness is foundational to the whole story of the Bible. Bible trivia time. What are the first recorded spoken words in the Bible? Anybody? Genesis 1-3, then God said, let there be light. God was bringing about light. He was bringing order and harmony to his creation that before this had been without form and void. He spoke and there was light. But the world that we live in today is very dark. And I'm not necessarily talking about physical darkness. Maybe if you live in Alaska, where in the winter, sometimes you get like four hours of daylight a day, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking spiritually speaking. We live in a world that is very dark. It is sinful. It is broken. The world is not the way that God intended it to be from the beginning. And I think this is probably the easiest point of Christianity to prove. You don't need me to prove to you that the world is messed up. Just look around. Just turn on the news. Just look at your family gatherings. Just look in your own heart if you'd be honest enough. There's a lot more darkness and a lot more brokenness in the world than we really would even want to talk about or care to admit. So here's the question that faces you and I this morning and this Christmas time. Where can we find light in a world that is filled with darkness? Where can we find peace, joy, hope, and love as we've been studying these last few weeks in a world that is broken? Well, Christmas is celebrated with lights because we remember that Jesus Christ is the light of the world. Jesus came to bring light to a world that was filled with darkness. As the prophet Isaiah said, on those who sat in darkness, on them a light has shone. That light came with the birth of Christ. So this afternoon, we're going to study the statement of the Lord Jesus, very famous, when he said, I am the light of the world. We're going to talk about that statement, what it means, and how it applies to our lives. And here's the main point today. 
We should follow Jesus Christ, the light of the world, and let our lives reflect that light. And here's the deal. If you're here today and you are a follower of Jesus, you're a Christian, my hope is that as a result of this message, you will be motivated to reflect the light of Christ more accurately in your life, to be a reflection of that light in the world. And if you're here today and you're not a Christian, you're not a follower of Jesus, maybe you're here visiting with us. You came with a family member or a friend, or maybe you drove by and you saw the sign, which by the way, there's probably a small miracle that that sign is still up. I rode by yesterday with the wind and it was like, and it looked terrible, but it was awesome. But anyway, I'm glad you're here. And my hope is that this service will not just be another one of those Christmas events that we do. Just another Christmas party, just another drive through Franktronics or Newport News Park or whatever else it might be. My hope is that today, as you hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, as you hear the good news about who Jesus is and what he has done, that it would change everything. That you would know who he is, what he has done for you, and how you can have eternal and abundant life through him. That's my hope tonight. With all that in mind, we're just going to study one verse tonight, John 8, 12. This is what it says. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Let's open with a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, as your word says, it is a light. Lord, it is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And Father, we thank you that tonight you have brought us to this place where we can study your word and see how it applies to our lives. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you that you sent your precious son, your best gift into this world to be born into this world, to rescue us from our sins. Jesus, you are the light of the world. We love you and we treasure you. And we pray that as we study your word, you would help us to understand what it means and apply it to our lives. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Jesus is the light of the world. That is our first point and really the main point tonight, that Jesus is the light of the world. Now, if we're going to understand this really famous and important statement of Jesus, it might help for us to have just a little bit of context here, okay? A little bit of historical background. So this statement comes from the Gospel of John. That's one of four books in the New Testament called Gospels. That's an account of the life and the ministry of Jesus Christ. And this section of the Gospel of John, John chapter 7 and 8, take place during a really important time in Israel's year called the Feast of Tabernacles. You're probably thinking, what on earth is the Feast of Tabernacles? Here's what it is. In the Old Testament, God commanded Israel to celebrate these annual feasts to remember their deliverance from slavery in Egypt and their time that they spent in the wilderness wandering. So the Feast of Tabernacles would take place in the fall. It would last seven days. We're like, why does that matter for Jesus being the light of the world? Here's why. Because John 7 tells us that this is taking place on the last day of the feast. And we know from sources of this day that on the last night of the feast, a huge party was thrown. And in the outer courts of the temple, they would have these four ginormous lamps that they would light that would illuminate much of Jerusalem. And we know that there was dancing and singing and basically a huge party and people were dancing around holding torches it was almost as like it was a festival of lights. So do you have that image in your mind? Jesus is standing there. He's looking around. He sees all of the light around him. These huge torches, people dancing around with torches. It's Israel's 4th of July and fireworks show. And in that context, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. These lamps and these torches might be able to light up Jerusalem for a night, but I am the light of the world forever. 
They might be able to push away a little bit of the darkness now, but whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And now, of course, if you're familiar with the gospel of John, and if you keep reading after this verse, you'll know that the religious leaders weren't a big fan of what Jesus had to say. And it leads to a nice long argument that unfortunately we don't have the time to unpack today. We're just going to focus on this one statement of Jesus. And I'd like to show you three things that Jesus meant when he said to them, I am the light of the world. The first is that Jesus is the divine light. Jesus is the divine light. In other words, I believe that this statement, I am the light of the world, was a claim to deity. I believe that Jesus here is claiming to be God. And now, before we even get into that, let's just just pause for a minute. How crazy of a thing is this to say? How audacious of a thing is this to say, unless it's true? I mean, think about it. You don't believe me. Go tell somebody later today. Just wanted to let you know, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. If you're not God, that's a crazy thing to say to someone. But I believe that Jesus was telling the truth. We at Coastal believe that Jesus was telling the truth, that he really is God in the flesh, the word made flesh, God incarnate. And here's how we know this is a claim to deity. Think about this phrase, I am the light of the world. Now just look at the first two words. What are they? I am. There's a lot of biblical significance in those two little words. In the gospel of John, in fact, there are seven times where Jesus uses these I am statements. This is the second of them. But of course, he's borrowing this from the Old Testament. When God is speaking to Moses through the burning bush and God asks him for his name as he's getting ready to deliver the people, what name does God reveal to Moses? I am who I am. God identified himself as the great I am, the one who is sovereign, the one who is eternal and self-sufficient. So when Jesus is speaking to a Jewish audience and he keeps using these I am statements, they knew exactly what he was claiming. That's why they repeatedly tried to kill him. This is the point, And this is why this matters for you and I tonight. Jesus Christ was not just a nice guy. He was not just a good moral teacher. He was not just a prophet. He was not just an influential religious leader. He was not just a philosopher. Jesus Christ was and is and will forever be God incarnate. He is the word made flesh. He is God wrapped in human flesh. This is how John begins his gospel in John chapter one. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. So as we're talking about the birth of Christ at Christmas time, I hope we know that we're not just talking about the birthday of a really important historical figure. You know, as the theologian Ricky Bobby once said, it's not just about, you know, eight pounds, six ounce, newborn baby Jesus or whatever it is. Listen, we're talking about the incarnation of God himself, that God wrapped himself in humanity and entered into our world as an overflow of his great love for us. That's what we mean when Jesus is the light of the world. First, that he is the divine light, that he is God. But next, this statement means that Jesus is the only light. The only light. We're two words into this phrase. We're making great time. Uh, So let's look at the third word now. I am the 
light of the world. Notice it does not say I am a light in the world. It's I am the light in the world. Guys, this is an exclusive claim that Jesus is making. He's not claiming to be one light among many. He's not claiming to be one way or one path to God. He's not claiming to just say, hey, listen, this is the way that I'm laying out before you. If it floats your boat, if it makes you happy, that's great. But otherwise, that's great too. No, Jesus said things like this in the gospel of John. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Guys, Jesus made exclusive claims. And I know that's controversial in our world today. People are fine with Jesus being your own personal Lord and Savior. They're fine with Jesus being the way for you. But when we say that Jesus is the only way for everyone, the only way to God, the only way to heaven, the only way to be saved, that's when it gets controversial. But this is the reality that Jesus is God who came into this world to rescue us. And he's the only way, the only truth, the only life. I believe that at the same time, Christianity is the most inclusive religion in the world and the most exclusive religion in the world. Here's what I mean by that. It is exclusive because there is only one way, faith in Jesus Christ. It's the only way. But it is inclusive because look at what the second half of verse uh, 12 says. Whoever follows me, it's for everyone. There is one way, but that one way is for everyone who will follow. So Jesus is the divine light. Jesus is the only light. And finally, Jesus is the world's light. I am the light of the world. Jesus is the one who came into this world in order to bring light. Just as God spoke in the very beginning of creation and there was light, so Jesus is the one who brings light into the darkness of this world. Let me give you two ways that Jesus brings light. The first is that Jesus brings the light of salvation. Jesus is the savior. He came into this world. He is God in the flesh in order to save us from our sins. And before we can talk about the good news of salvation, we need to understand the bad news. We need to understand the default condition that we are in. We need to understand more of the darkness that we are in. This is what John says in John chapter three. Jesus said, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. What this passage is teaching us is that our default problem, our condition as humans is that we're sinners, that we are in rebellion against our creator. And it's even worse than just that. He's saying it's not just the fact that we sin, it's that we love our sin. We love our sin so much that we would rather stay in the dark and keep our sin than come to the light and be set free. Because when we go to the light, it exposes us and it shows that our works are evil. This is the great irony and the great tragedy of humanity. Our sin is the very thing that is destroying us now and will eventually send us to hell, but we can't get rid of it. We cling to it. We hide in the dark. We don't come to the light so that we can be set free. We're like Gollum with the ring, right? The very thing that is destroying him, he looks at it and he goes, my 
precious. That's what we do. So with all of that, how can we be set free? How can we come to the light? This is where Jesus comes in. You see, we can't get ourselves out of this mess. We can't save ourselves with our good works. We can't save ourselves by going to church or giving to charity or being a good person and hoping that eventually our good outweighs our bad. It's not going to work. We've already sinned against the holy God. We already deserve his punishment. The only way to be saved is through the gospel of Jesus Christ, the light of the world. Jesus saved us by coming into this world. He died on the cross for our sins. Think about it. The light of the world, the perfect sinless son of God died on the cross. And you know what? He died in the dark because the Bible tells us that when he was crucified for three hours, God turned the lights out over all the land. As Jesus was bearing the penalty for sin in the place of all of his people. But the story doesn't end there. Because three days later, on the first light of Easter morning, Jesus bodily rose from the dead. And now, because Jesus has died for our sins and he has risen from the dead, he offers eternal life. He offers salvation to any who will come to him. He's saying, come out of the dark and come into the light of eternal life. That's the call. That is the offer. Jesus is the light of the world because he is the light of salvation. But next, Jesus is the light of the world because he brings illumination. Isn't that what lights do? Uh, When you walk in a room and it's dark and you turn on the light, it illuminates the room so that now you can see clearly, whereas you couldn't see clearly before. The reality is walking around in the dark is dangerous. It's especially true in my house because I've got two toddlers. Uh, So when you're walking around at nighttime and lights are out, you don't know what you're going to step on. It could be like a half-eaten applesauce pouch. It could be a Lego. It could be a Barbie doll. I mean, you really never know what you're going to step on. But the same thing is true spiritually speaking. It is dangerous to walk through a sinful and a broken and a messed up world with no guide, with no light. We're liable to trip up and fall in a ditch. But Jesus offers illumination in that he is the truth. He is the one who teaches us the truth about God, the truth about the world, the truth about how we should live our lives. He illuminates reality. I love this quote from C.S. Lewis. He said, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. That's what Jesus does in our lives. Not only does Jesus reveal the truth to us, but when we know who Jesus is, everything else starts to fall into place. Everything else starts to make sense. Jesus is like the missing puzzle piece in our lives that once he's there, the whole picture comes together perfectly. So how does Jesus illuminate our lives? How does he reveal the truth to us? He does it through his word. The same metaphor of light is used for the word of God. Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. God's word is like a giant spotlight that illuminates the darkness of this world so that we know where we're going. So just to recap, when we say that Jesus is the light of the world, what are we saying? We're saying that he's God in the flesh, God incarnate. We're saying that he is the savior of the world, the only savior of the world, and that he is the one who reveals the truth to us. But in light of these realities, what should our response be? You might be thinking, that sounds nice. That's a cool story. That's really encouraging. But what difference does that make in my life today? That's what we're going to talk about now. What should our response be? The first response to Christ being the light of the world is to follow the light. 
follow the light. Look at the second half of John 8, 12. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That's the promise. He says, whoever follows me will no longer walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. They will have eternal life. A few minutes ago, we just unpacked the gospel. You know, the good news that Jesus is God, that Jesus died for our sins, and that Jesus rose from the dead. We respond to the gospel by following Christ, by following him. What does that look like? It looks like turning away from our sin. And the, the Bible word for that is repentance. It means we repent of our sin. We do a 180. We confess to God that we are sinners, that we have broken his law, that we have loved our sin rather than loved him, and that we've stayed in the dark. We repent of our sin. We turn away from it. But next we believe. We believe the facts of the gospel. We believe that Jesus is God. We believe that Jesus died for our sins. We believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And then finally, we receive Jesus into our life. It's not just about believing facts about him. It's about having a personal relationship with him. We receive him into our life as our personal Lord and Savior. And when you do this, you become a follower of Jesus. The Bible says that he calls you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And he offers you both eternal life in the future with him in heaven and abundant life here and now. A life that is marked by joy and peace and love and a hope that this world can't take away from you. You know, if you're here today and you're visiting with us or you're not a Christian and all of this is new to you and you'd like to talk to someone about how you can have a relationship with Jesus Christ and pray with someone, how you can follow Jesus, man, we would love to talk with you and pray with you. And after the service, after we get done with the candle lighting and singing, we're gonna have some prayer team members. They're gonna hang around up front and they'd love to talk with you and pray with you about how you can become a follower of Christ. Or you can write that on your connect card and we will follow up with you very soon. So first we follow the light, but next we reflect the light. We reflect the light. Jesus said here, I am the light of the world. But, but did you know that there is another place in the Bible where that phrase light of the world is used? And it's really interesting to me. So Matthew chapter five, this is Jesus speaking. He said, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Now, hold on a minute, Pastor Nate. Jesus just said, I am the light of the world. Now he looks at his followers and says, you are the light of the world. What's going on here? Here's what's going on. The followers of Jesus are to reflect the light of Christ in their lives. They don't create it, they reflect it. In the same way that the moon does not create its own light, but it reflects the light of the sun. So as Christians, we are to reflect the light of God's son, Jesus Christ. He is shining through us. So let me ask my brothers and sisters in Christ who are here tonight, are you letting your light shine? Are other people seeing your good works and giving glory to your father who is in heaven? We ought to be intentionally pursuing ways to reflect the light of Christ in our lives with our words, with our actions, with our attitudes. Others ought to be able to look at us and see Jesus reflected in us. And ultimately, we reflect the light of Christ because of the hope that we have in Christ. 
at Christmas, we're celebrating the first coming of Jesus, that he was born into this world to save us. But, you know, we look forward to another coming of Jesus when he comes again for a second time to make all things new. And did you know that when Jesus comes again, Jesus will literally be the light of the world? No more of this spiritual stuff. Like Jesus will literally physically be the light of the world. Revelation 21 says this, and I saw no temple in the city for its temple is the Lord God, the almighty and the lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives it light and its lamp is the lamb. By its light will the nations walk and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. When we are in eternity, when we are in glory, we're not even gonna need the sun anymore because Jesus will be there. Isn't that awesome? You don't have to go looking for the glory of God because it's everywhere. We're gonna live in a world with no more sin, no more death, no more sickness, no more pain, no more war, no more darkness. All because of Jesus Christ the one who is the light of the world. Well, as we're coming to a conclusion this afternoon, I'd like to invite our worship team to come back. And in just a couple of minutes, uh, we're gonna light the candles and we're gonna sing. But before we do that, I wanna leave you with one final thought. Christmas is all about Jesus Christ, the light of the world. Christmas is about the most incredible man who ever lived. And as we've seen tonight, someone who is so much more than just a man. Jesus came to bring light to a world filled with darkness. And I'd like to leave you with a final quote from John MacArthur. Someone has said that he came from the bosom of the father to the bosom of a woman. He put on humanity that we might put on divinity. He became son of man so that we might become sons of God. He was born contrary to the laws of nature, lived in poverty, was reared in obscurity, and only once crossed the boundary of the land in which he was born, and that in his childhood. He had no wealth or influence and had neither training nor education in the world's schools. His relatives were inconspicuous and uninfluential. In infancy, he startled a king. In boyhood, he puzzled learned doctors. In manhood, he ruled the course of nature. He walked upon the billows and hushed the seas asleep. He healed the multitudes without medicine and made no charge for his services. He never wrote a book, yet all the libraries of the country could not hold all of the books about him. He never wrote a song, yet he has furnished the theme for more songs than all the songwriters together. He never founded a college, yet all the schools together cannot boast of as many students as he has. He never practiced medicine, and yet he healed more broken hearts than the doctors have healed broken bodies. This Jesus Christ is the star of astronomy, the rock of geology, the lion and the lamb of zoology, the harmonizer of all discords, and the healer of all diseases. And throughout his Great men have come and gone, yet he lives on. Herod could not kill him. Satan could not seduce him. Death could not destroy him. And the grave could not hold him. This is our Christ. This is the light of the world. This is the light of the world. So let's worship him. Amen. So at this time, I want to invite you to grab your candle or your glow stick that you got on the way in. And here's what we're going to do. At this time, I'm going to invite our ushers to come and they're going to start lighting the candles. And actually, could somebody grab that light switch there at the back? We're going to make sure we turn the lights down. 
so we can be nice and dim so that we can be lit up by the, the candlelight. So we're going to go down by the rows and we're going to light, thank you, uh, going down the row this way until we're all lit. And so here's the deal. Let me give a couple of instructions here for safety's sake. Uh, so listen, I know that we got a lot of charismatics here at Coastal and I love you and I love it. Just not for this song, okay? Uh, I don't want any of this with an open flame, y'all. We're gonna sing like Baptists here to this afternoon. We're gonna be like this, okay? But listen, here's the deal. And at the very end, when we go to blow it out, I want you to cup your hand like this when you blow it. You don't need to squirt wax all over the person in front of you, okay? We're gonna be careful. But here, in all seriousness, in all seriousness, what a great reminder after what we just heard about Jesus being the light of the world. I hope that as we sing this last song together, we'll look at the candle and we'll remember what it means that Jesus is the light of the world. So let's stand when you're ready and let's sing this song together.